So today we'll look at something that I, it could be turned into a series. God, God, I don't know. Um, there's so much to, to speak on. But we'll look at something I've titled uh, Kingdom Culture. Like I said, it could be turned into a series. But we look at what we call Kingdom Culture. Now, um, when we talk about generally culture, we are referring to certain practices or beliefs that are performed by a particular set of people who have common beliefs, okay? I'm not giving you a very, I'm not giving you an, a definition. I'm just talking here, okay? So, an example is when it comes to, let's say, here in Zambia, it's part of or rather, here in Zambia, having so many tribes, you find maybe, let's say, each tribe has got certain things they do and it's part of their culture, right? Right? For example, you don't find laws is doing Chilangamulilo, but nowadays, anyway, it's... it's <laughs> nowadays, it happens, eh? So, you find it's, it's a culture for Tongas to do certain things. It's a culture for Lozis, for Bembas, uh, Lobales, to, to, to practice certain things because these are things that have been handed down to them by their forefathers. You find they begin to practice them over and over again. And before you know it, sometimes we begin to do certain things without realizing why we are doing them. You understand, right? Yes. We, we, we don't even realize why we're doing certain things. All we know is that it's part of our culture. Even when you ask the people teaching you, they may not even know why they're doing what they're doing as well. You understand? Yeah. For example, there are certain beliefs. Let's say those of you who've had babies in your, ho in your house, you know that at a certain time after a baby is born, they normally cut their hair, right? Now, that's a culture. It's, it's not spiritual. There's, there's no science behind it. <laughs> you understand? So whether you cut a child's hair or you don't cut them, there's, there's nothing that will happen to them. But then there's just these beliefs that people practice and sometimes we don't even understand why we practice them and of course if you ask maybe even three different people they will give you different answers over the same practice mm -hmm. because these are things that they are not necessarily written down anywhere to say this is what should be done or it should be done in this particular way so the same thing happens in the kingdom there are certain things that are done because they are part of our culture together. There are certain things that are done because they are part of our culture in the kingdom. If you belong to the kingdom of God, there are certain things that are expected of you. There are certain things you ought to participate in simply because you belong to the kingdom. And just like, let's say, for example, there, even your own family, you can start your own culture if you want. Or your own custom or tradition in your family. You can start your own culture and say, look, for us, we'll be doing Bible study at 21 every day without fail. Whoever doesn't like it should move out. <laughs> now, whoever wants to stay, what do they do? They will participate. You understand, right? Yes. I was looking at um, this piece of law, the, the, the children's code. I don't know if you guys have, have seen it. Oh, we're not lawyers, eh? 
<laughs> but these are things that are there in, in the domain, eh? the public domain. So there's this act, the children's court. Some of you have seen it, eh? or you've heard about it. Now, I, I, I read it, and I was looking at it, and I was like, see, this, this is between my child and the government. In my house, I've got my own rules. <laughs> like, I respect what you have with your government, but that's not in my house. Go and practice it in the government's house. <laughs> Are we together? Yes, there are certain rights children shouldn't have. If you leave children a little bit too exposed to certain things, we will have a destroyed society. You understand? Why should a seven-year-old have privacy? <laughs> you think about it. Why, why should you have privacy? <laughs> You're 10. Privacy for what? You understand? So certain rights are between you and the government. In my house, you have no privacy. That would be me as a, as a father. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm sure the gentlemen agree with me. Yes. Why? Why, why, why should... There are certain things that just don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. They don't. Mm -hmm. But then, anyway, to, talking about the kingdom. Kingdom culture. So, I'll give you a few things that are part of our culture in the kingdom. Like I said, you could turn into a series because I, I may not exhaust everything. But if I sense that I should stop, we'll stop there, then we'll continue next year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm the pastor. Like I'll, I'll be teaching in January. I'll teach in February. In March, I'll teach. Even when you receive a dream from God that you're done teaching that Sunday, I'll teach. <laughs> even when you tell me, Pastor, I, I will teach. I'll even make you sit in front. Like, let's, let me teach now with your dream. <laughs> Praise God. So generally, there are certain things that we ought to practice simply because we belong in the kingdom. And just like when you belong to an institution of learning, there are some things that are expected of you simply be because you belong to that institution of learning. You just can't do any, anything and everything you like. And that's why the, one of the biggest myths in this world is something called freedom. Hmm. Because you will realize that there is no point in your life when you're absolutely free. You have to be accountable to people. Just when you think you've left your parents' house, you have your wife. <laughs> and she asks you certain things. I don't know why my wife is laughing the loudest. <laughs> or you have a husband who you want to go for the kitchen party, just says no. No. <laughs> me, no one can tell me anything. <laughs> you will be humbled. <laughs> you, will be hum you will realize that life is not necessarily the way you picture it. Cybers <laughs> have God's picture <laughs> and live according to the word of God. That's a standard we have. Praise God. Like I said, there are certain things we do simply because they are part of the culture of the kingdom. Are we together? 
Yes. And also that means when you ask, when we talk about, I'll give you scriptures as we go on. When you are referring to a culture, for example, there are, there are things that when you, be, when you begin to see certain people practice, you can tell where they grew up. Right? You can tell how they grew up simply because they, maybe they, they talk a certain way. It's in their culture to talk that way. Are we together? There's a culture in this world from Scotland where men wear skirts, right? Now, if I was to wear a skirt here in church, what, would, what do you think would happen? If pastor was to come and I'm in a skirt. Don't you dare imagine it. <laughs> Are we together? So, but then you find for the Scottish, for them, it's actually in their culture for them to dress that way. It may not be on a day-to-day basis, but for certain occasions. Do you understand, right? Yeah. So, when you see a man dressed that way, and you can tell that this one is from Scotland, right? Yes. You don't find a man from the Copper Bell dressing that way. Papondo. <laughs> they don't dress that way. Yeah, you know, tough, tough guys. <laughs> We are together. So you, you can tell. So that means even in the kingdom, if we've got certain things that are part of our culture, there are some things you should be found doing without actually being investigated whether they're Christian or not. There are some things you should be found doing without us asking whether you're born again or not. One time I remember I was um, at work there was a client that came and I was, um, I was the one attending to them. And um, we spoke, trust me, we didn't even speak for a minute. They ended up getting my number from someone within my workplace. And after that, we, we texted with further instructions and whatnot. And the following day in the morning, they asked me a question. They said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. Why? I said, they're just the way you talk. It just gives it away. Now I'm at work. I'm supposed to talk like a lawyer, so I was concerned. <laughs> Do I talk like I'm on the pulpit when I'm addressing people? You know what I mean? I've been in court before and the judge has asked me whether I'm a pastor or not. At the end of everything. So, Do you preach? Because I think you would make a good preacher. I say, I try here and there. <laughs> Like, you know, once in a while, when they give me a chance at church, I preach. <laughs> Praise God. So, I'll give you an example. Uh, Luke chapter number, let's start from there. With the scriptures. Luke chapter number um, four. Luke four, verse 16. Luke four, verse 16. Luke chapter number four, verse 16. Are we there? Only three people answering. Luke 4, 16. Are we there? Are we there? So he says, um, so this is talking about Jesus. He says, so when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his castle was, have you seen that? 
So as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the, on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. That means Jesus had the custom of being in the house of God. It was part of his system. It was part of the culture he developed. It means his parents didn't have to tell him, let's go to church. It was part of his custom. He knew he had to be in the house of God. Remember when he was lost as a child? Where was he found? In the temple. When he was lost, he wasn't found at Intercity. Or, or at the police. They're holding him. Where was he found? He knew where he belonged. And he had to be found there. Now, do you actually have a discipline of being found in the house of God as part of your culture? Because in the kingdom, that should be part of your culture. It's a discipline you must have. And trust me, when it comes to, let's say, things like being in the house of God, you may even have genuine reasons as to why you are not consistent. But sometimes, from genuine reasons, sometimes it turns into excuses. If you're not careful. If you're not careful, it can turn into excuses. Because even on a day that you know you know this Sunday will be free, you will come up with something. You will find a way of being busy because you are now, you've now trained yourself and it's not part of your system, it's not part of your culture. It's not part of your custom for you to actually ensure that you're in the house of God and you're learning. So it means you must, it's something you must train yourself to do this thing. I'll be found in the house of God. I'll be found in the house of God. David said, I, I was glad when I was told, let us go to the house of the Lord. Meaning he had delight in being found in the house of God. So this thing of Christianity, no, it's just in the heart. Doesn't matter whether I go to church. It's a lie. If you believe that, you've not been listening to God. How are we together? God has put the church in place to ensure that you are growing. And amazingly, the beauty about the word of God is this. There is no person who's ever outgrown the word of God. That means you can attend church for 20 years straight and still learn every Sunday. That's how it works. The moment you think you've known it all, you've not known anything. Just know that there is nothing you know. The moment you think you've known everything, you can read the scriptures from A to Z. And still not know the word of God. How together? The Pharisees. Do you know one of the qualifications of, of, of being a Pharisee? Can I, can I share it with you? Do you know that for, for, for them to qualify as a Pharisee, do you know that one of the one of one of the ways was for them to actually be able to recite the whole Old Testament and know it by heart? Why do you think they, they knew the scriptures like that? <laughs> but then, they knew the Old Testament had prophecies about Jesus. Yet when Jesus came, they were not able to point him out. They were still not able to identify this. This was the one I was reading about. How together? No, it sounds amazing that you can recite. You, how many songs can you sing wait for it? How many? Even the ones you learned before salvation. 
when they are playing here, you just, you have to pray against it. Father. I agree. So if you can know all those songs, why can't you know scripture like that? Why can't you know scripture like that? Some of you can even memorize movie lines. You know what someone will say next. You understand? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. So now, if you can know movie lines like that, and how much more God's word, how, how invested have you, are you in the word of God? It means if you don't know scripture, and do you, know, do, do you know the amazing thing? Jesus taught a very important principle that most people tend to ignore. When Jesus was tempted of the devil and, and, and Jesus quoted scripture, he did not even paraphrase. That's a principle. He didn't paraphrase scripture. He quoted it verbatim. He quoted it word for word. In other words, it is written and he said it. And when Satan came, as I said, it's written. He also quoted it exactly where it was written. That means he did say somewhere in the scriptures uh, you find. Uh, he said, John, <sighs> somewhere uh, Isaiah was that Isaiah? No, no, it was Jeremiah. No, no. There is no such confusion, and that's one of the reasons why you must be found in the house of God. Because in the house of God, you learn the word of God, and after you've learned the word of God in the house of God, you must go home and search the scriptures. To know what's written in the word of God. Don't sit on your notes. Do you know why you write notes in church? Let me tell you. Because even in life, when you go to class and you write notes, why do you think you write? Because you know that one day you'll be tested based on the things you're writing. I've told you why I write down notes. It means there will come a time when it's times of testing over the things that you're learning. There are some of you last week you learned about times and seasons. There will come a time when now you have to acknowledge the season that you experienced. Now you are not able to see. Sometimes you look back and say, Did I miss a season? I don't know if you understand. Did I miss a particular season? You go back to the word of God and say, okay, what, did, what, what did I learn about times and seasons? Okay, pastor taught that there are same prayers we, shouldn't make, we, should, we should avoid making. For example, prayers of recovery. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong or they're bad. I'm just saying that decisions you can make that can ensure that later on you don't pray that God, God will restore anything. Understand, right? If God has to restore being, you lost. But then there are choices you can make today that can ensure that you lose nothing today. Such as later on, you're not praying for anything to be restored. All together. So it should be part of your culture. Jesus, it was part of his custom to be found in the house of God. It was part of his custom. Is it part of your custom? Or you can miss church simply because they are washing clothes. That's a time you just used to wash. Out of all days, no pastor was busy. I was sometimes people just lie. And sometimes I can even smell excuses. Just tell me this one is lying. But we can't tell you you're lying. We just forget how oh, we understand, sister. Sometimes people just lie because they've decided on their... I'll tell you this. A lot of people just can't manage their time. They are bad managers of their time. That's all. 
Because there is no person here who has an extra hour in a day. Not one. <laughs> we all have the same 24 hours. All together. The same. Just means the difference between you and someone else is how you manage that 24 hours. What you do with it. If you decide to sleep half of it, ask you. <laughs> Amen. So let it be part of your culture. And also, one of the things that is a culture in the kingdom is meeting regularly. That's one of the, that's one of the things that um, that's one of the things that we, we, we have as a culture in the kingdom. We must meet regularly. And that's why when some people complain, no, you guys have a lot of meetings. And by the way, we don't even have enough meetings. Especially in this church, we don't have enough meetings. So some people, sometimes when people are complaining, no, you have a lot of meetings. What, what, what? what time will people be productive? First of all, if you're not productive, just on you. There are people who are productive while still meeting. You're just the only one. Out together. No one has, no one has asked you to come to church on Monday at eight hours. Has we ever asked you that? No one is asking you to come to church on, 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 on Tuesday at nine hours. No one has asked you to do that, right? No. Mm -hmm. So it means you've got the whole week to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. To go wherever you want. But to spare two hours on a Sunday, there's a problem. It means you just don't have your priorities straight. Because Chilanga Muliro, you attend. Wedding, you attend. Kitchen party, you attend. You even so well, but you don't give offering in church. Ah, so I, I should say that again, eh? <laughs> you even go there. You change your two quarters and, and just start throwing. But offering in church. Start looking at your neighbor. You know, the basket, the capital, I'm just kidding. It means there's a problem. All together. It means there's a problem. Look at the scriptures. Uh, Acts chapter number 5. Acts 5, verse 42. Acts 5, verse 42. I love this scripture. Acts 5, 42. I want us to read it together. So everyone, let's turn there. So we read together. Acts chapter number 5, verse 42. Acts chapter number 5, verse 42. So one of the principles, one of the things we do regularly in the kingdom is actually meeting regularly. You must meet regularly. All together. Acts chapter number 5, verse 42, 1, 2, 3. Let's go together. Go. Mm -hmm. How long did they teach? How long did they teach? In the temple. That means for them to teach in the temple, there were people in the temple daily. No, we need to go back to the olden days, like the way the church was. Look at the olden days. We are meeting every day. <laughs> the church of now, it's not like the church. Look at, the, look, look at how they were meeting. Daily, in the temple. And after the temple, they go to the house now. When they are done with the temple. Because after Sunday service, or after, after service, now, now go to sell. Or Bible study. So it means there must be a... We must meet often. And the reason is simple. It's because generally human beings are influenced by everything else. There is no human being that does not have external influence here. 
whether now, in the past, or even in the future, every human being has got external influence, one way or another. Trust me, we are all influenced by something or someone. Are we together? Yes. So it means if you are not allowing yourself to be influenced by the word of God, it means there are certain things that you will not walk in that God has ordained for you to walk in. And that's why when you meet regularly, you get to hear the mind of God on a daily basis. You get to encounter God's mind. And, and one of the things also is that for a leader, especially when we train you as a leader, we put you in positions where you are leading. It means it pushes you to actually study your Bible because you know you have people to feed. You know you have people to feed. You don't just study the Bible just for this. You know that you have to teach. And that's why some of you, trust me, you will be sale leaders next year. You will know how to teach. No, me, Pastor, I'm shy. Don't worry. We'll get you with your shyness. Appoint you over souls. Say, teach. <laughs> no, Pastor, but we don't do that. Are we together? We must meet regularly. Tell your neighbor, we must meet regularly. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we must meet regularly. That means the way Jesus had a culture, we must have it as well. The way the apostles had a culture, where do you think the apostles learned it from? You think they just zero out of nowhere? No. There is a culture, and the culture is that we are found in the house of God. Now, of course, we will do everything else we need to do outside. All together. You're a student, go out there, study, excel at what you're doing. You're a business person, go out there, study, or do whatever you do. You're a career person, you know what I mean? Eh? Do what you ought to do on a regular basis, but while you are doing whatever you need to do, remember that after you are done, or before you start doing whatever you're doing, be in the house of God. Be planted there. Amen. So train yourself not to miss spiritual meetings. Whether online or physical, train yourself not to miss spiritual meetings. Ensure that you are in attendance in every spiritual meeting that has been called upon. Very important. It should be part of our culture. It should be part of the things we do. The other thing that we do as part of our culture is giving. It's a kingdom culture. Giving is a kingdom culture. It's a culture that should be practiced by every child of God. Now, when we talk about giving, I don't just mean it in the context of giving to the house of God. I mean, generally, you must be a giver. Be a generous person. All together. We're not limiting it simply to just the house of God. No. The house of God, yes, give. Their giving is not going to the house of God. But be a generous person. Because the Bible shows us that for God so loved the world that he gave. That means God is a giver. You must be generous. You're at a boarding house. Why are you hiding your mayonnaise from your... From your, your your roommate. <laughs> They've just gotten one, one egg and it's already a battle in that. Do you know what you've done? Do you know what? I'm on a budget. <laughs> be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver. <laughs> Give. We're talking about generosity here. Right? Yes. 
Be a generous person towards your family. Be a generous person towards your friends. Be a generous person towards everyone around you. Be generous. Of course, being generous will mean sometimes people try to take advantage of you. That's what it means. But how many people try to take advantage of God? Including maybe some of you in here. Once in a while. That's what you can just clear that course. The commitment to just become and then when you pass yeah all together <laughs> so be a generous person it's part of our culture in the kingdom to be givers yes no because if you are born of God where are you getting the stinginess from no if you are born of God because it means you came from him. So where are you getting the stinginess from? Who taught you that? Because it's not part of your DNA. Our DNA is to be givers. We give, we give, we give. We give, we give until, uh, uh, until we are raptured. We don't stop giving. Are we together? Are we together? You must train yourself to be a giver. That means remove... One time I remember, uh, let, me, let me not give that example. You see, one thing you must do is that don't train yourself to simply be on the receiving end every time. It's a problem when you, when you become that person. How together? Giving to others. And he, like I said, here I'm not just talking about giving in the house of God. I mean generally giving. How together? Could be your siblings, your parents, whoever it is that you have around your friends. Even the house of God, like I said, general talk about being generous. If you train yourself to be that person where every time you're just the one asking for help. See, sometimes it's not even because you just never have. Sometimes that when you have, you don't even extend a helping hand to anyone. Sometimes that's what the problem is. It means you've not trained yourself to actually be, give. And I'll tell you this. The biggest givers I have seen with these eyes don't even have it all. And trust me, there are people here who are generous and they will tell you there are times they also don't have. But then when they have, they know they have to be generous to other people and they extend their hand. All together. So it means you have to train yourself now. You don't have to have everything in order for you to start, to start giving to other people. It means wherever you are, the level you're at, there is someone you can bless. It's not even just two quarter change you have to collect from that younger driver. Sometimes just leave it. Bless someone. You can't collect everything. Coins you're getting everywhere. You don't, you go to restaurants, you don't tip. You just, everything, you just, it means it's a problem. That means it's a problem. How together? Yes, you can't collect every, every 10 quarter you're getting. Maybe 10 is a big amount. Okay, let's start from... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about two questions then, right? <laughs> but you can't collect, you can't be collecting everything every time. Be a blessing to someone. How together? Be a blessing to someone. It's part of our culture in the kingdom to be givers, and you must start now. Whatever level you are at, there is someone you can bless, like I said. There is someone you can bless. There is someone who will appreciate, even just the five quarters giving it, there was someone who will appreciate it. It must be part of our culture. So you can't be that person. Sometimes I've seen it with believers where every time they're always waiting, no, that one will give. 
That one will give. No, that one will. Sometimes it's a, it's a bad mentality. It must be dealt with early. It means even the time that God blesses you, even with a fine job, you're getting a lot of money, you will not be a blessing to those around you. It will become a problem because you are so used to receiving and never giving. And now when you start giving, now you start complaining. Ah, people just use me every time. Who, does, who with money doesn't get used? No, show me, even in your family, the one who's well-doing. Trust, if you know you come from a family, for example, where your parents are the ones who are doing better than... You know that there are people who just come to collect and they leave. That's how it works. <laughs> So if you want, to, you want to make a lot of money, just know that you have to be ready to be used. That's how it works. There are people who will come and just, uh, and they will come with stories, eh? My nephew swallowed the swavio. We have to do operation. Sad and unnecessary things that don't even make any sense. But sometimes just say, okay, just go. Just go. <laughs> Be a giver. Tell your neighbor, be a giver. Be a giver. Yes. So don't be that one every time you always ask. Every time you always, no, sometimes surprise people and just bless them. Sometimes just surprise someone. Just bless them. We take a five quarter soldier pack. Just, I don't know why you're laughing. It means someone, it means something to someone. Yes. Just bless someone with something. Bless someone with bundles. You know you've got a 50 quarter just extra lying around. Why can't you bless your brother with bundles? You are training yourself because such, if you don't train yourself to give now, can I, there's a discipline that I saw in the scriptures which, which amused me. Jesus, let me show you something. Jesus talked about something very interesting. Luke chapter number 11. Jesus was, was addressing the Pharisees for their hypocrisy here. But there's a principle that he showed about the Jews which just amazes me every time. Luke chapter number 11, verse 42. So Jesus was talking about hypocrisy. So he talked about tithing here. I think this is the only portion of the scripture where Jesus talked about tithing. Right? Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let, let me show it to you from a simpler translation and someone just was talking about here. Um, NLT. Those are using online Bibles. NLT. Are we in NLT? Just switching. Very simple. NLT. One, two, three, go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, the principle I want you to see there is this. Jesus, here was saying, this guy is tight, even this. Imagine you've sought to my herbs, the smallest. You get something for it and then you tithe it. It's, it's a principle of, no matter how little it is, you still decide to give it. I don't know if you understand. No matter how you must, you must train yourself to be a giver. It's it's very important. 
It's part of us. It should be part of our DNA as believers. We should be known for giving to others. I'll tell you this. I am not going for me. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am not going to pastor a church that is going to look for aid from the West in order to come and sponsor us to buy anything. It will never happen. We need anything we remove from our pockets, we buy. If anyone comes and says, let them go, let God speak to them and they come. And when they come, they will sit down like a member of the church and we bless them. That's what they go back. We are not going to sit and start receiving aid. We may be from Africa, but we don't think like Africans. How are we together? Don't have that dependency syndrome. In the kingdom, it's part of our culture to be givers. The, Jesus, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you know, why, do you know why, why we are taught that? Because the one who receives, the blessing is in their hands. Meaning that's all you have received. The one who gives the blessings far beyond what they've given. I've taught you about the blessing of God. So be a generous person. You have got young siblings, learn to, learn to give to them. Got older siblings, learn to do that. You've got parents, you know what I mean, right? Grandparents in the house of God. Be someone who is generous in your giving. Don't give people change every time. Plan to give. Tell your neighbor, plan to give. What's the highest amount you've ever given your parents? What's the highest amount? And, and if you are you pleased with it? No, I'm a student. You, you, you have money. When it's your boyfriend, it's better. You find a way of taking him out. <laughs> oh, yeah, student. Am I wrong? We see students doing that, right? Yes. Even young men, they find a way of making sure her birthday is just. Uh... When I was dating my wife, I didn't even know why she was getting the money. <laughs> oh, I know my birthdays were sorted at cake. <laughs> where she was getting it I don't know I still don't want to know <laughs> you understand generally so you can't tell me no because I'm a student trust me if you plan on doing certain things even while you're a student you still do it yes so why is the highest amount you've ever given your parents let's start from there you've just removed money and said mom dad this is yours what's the highest you've done I don't, want to make, I don't want to mention an amount because it may be due. Let's, if it's below. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention an amount. But generally, train yourself to be a giver. Are you listening? Yes. Be a blessing. If your parents are not here, there are always, always people who step in like a parental figure. Bless those. How together? Bless those. One of the things I decided early, I remember when I lost my father, I, t I said to myself, the first time first when I lost my mom, I said I was going to get educated to ensure that I do certain things for my father. But before I could start making money, my father died. So I told myself that I was going to ensure all my siblings are in school on my pockets. 
That means there is, if they decide not to be in school, it's because they just don't want. Not because there's no one to sponsor them. So it means there are always people who you, you can do something for. Because if their parents were around, they wouldn't struggle in a certain way. That means they have to make life that easy for them. You understand? Yes. So you can always ensure that there are people you do certain things for. Tell your neighbor, be a giver. <laughs> Just don't give money that you, you got by corruption. <laughs> by bribe. They bribed you. And they're even coming to... <laughs> even giving testimonies in church. Hallelujah! 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Maybe let's start reading from verse 1. Um, NLT again. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 verse 1. We read from, from the NLT. I think, you see, this is, when your pastor is a teacher, you have to have different translations. We can switch anytime. So if you just have your hard copy Bible, you, you may not relate with us. You think, what, 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 what are they talking about, these people? What's NLT? What's... So ensure that you have online Bibles, okay? Yes. If, if you have one of those phones that you to, to delete apps because of space, delete your WhatsApp. Start with Telegram first. Delete it. Then delete your Facebook. Then delete your Instagram. And your TikTok. Mm-hmm. Before you delete your Bible app. How <laughs> together. So, NLT. First, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 1. We're, we're reading together. 1, 2, 3, go. Verse 1. Mm. Yes. Okay. Verse 2. Yes. They are what? <laughs> Imagine a man of God describing each other. That church is very poor. Poor wasn't kind here. <laughs> they are very what? Look at what look at what the Bible says. It says mm. Yes, verse three. Mm-hmm. Look at what, look at what there. But look at the attitude. These guys didn't have, but in the, this talk about sponsoring the gospel. Imagine the gospel prospering because of the finances of poor people. Now, how much more are we who are not poor? I don't know if you realize that. It says, verse what? We're in verse uh, three, right? But farmer says, and they did, they did it on their own free will. It says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing the gift for the believers. They were begging, let's give you. Imagine people were poor, begging, saying, let me, let me be the one to give you. It means they love the gospel so much that they decided that even in their little, or their little resources, they were going to be a blessing for the sake of the gospel. 
So it means whatever capacity you are in, you can always ensure that you extend. Doesn't matter what level you are at. How together? Yes. You can afford shawarma, you're not poor. <laughs> Hungry lion, you know, all those things. KFC. What other things do people eat? Yeah, those junk things people eat. It means you're not poor. Amen. Even eating matevedo. Definitely not, eh? Yes, you are among us the richest people. <laughs> Verse 5, what does it say? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Verse 6. Let's go. Interesting, right? The ministry. <laughs> and then look at what he says, verse 7. Uh-huh. 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 Look at it. You excel in many things. Excel in this grace also. There are people who need this. You see, there are people who even excel in prayer. They can pray, pray, speak in tongues until, until, I don't, until the ground shakes. But the area of giving is a problem. It's a problem because prayer they can pray. It's not a question. When you say, who, who here wants to pray at the altar? Who here wants to, they, they, they can do anything. Talk about service, they can serve God. Service, as in they, they define service. <laughs> How together? They can do so many things for God, but then he says excel in this grace also. It means don't just be one person who excels everywhere else, but not in the area of giving. All together. Excel all around. Every area you ensure that you're excelling. It's part of our culture. We give as part of our culture. We, know that we don't, and I've told you before, if you ever give to God because you were forced, it wasn't God you gave to. All together. If you, ever, if you ever give to God because you are forced, it wasn't God you gave to. And that's why there are certain things that I... There are certain things I don't... There's, there are certain teachings that seem to suggest a, a transaction between God and man. Where for God to do certain things, you have to give him certain things. Those are false teachings. I don't talk about the teachers. I talk about the teachings. <laughs> we'll address the teachers later. Those are false teachings. No, to get 24 blessings, you have to... Yeah. <laughs> First of all, who number those blessings? Those are f- false and I think we all grew up listening to some of them, eh? Here and there, eh? Just don't want to mention names. But generally, that's not how God works. 
We don't give simply because we're expecting this. No, no. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving with an expectation of receiving. It's biblical to do that. But then, it's your mindset to it that, that, that's also, so it's the mindset of the one teaching and the mindset of the one who's giving. And also, the heart behind it. All together. That's, that's very important. So, but train yourself to be someone who will give simply because you love Jesus. Train yourself to give simply because you love the gospel. Train yourself to give simply because you want the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to progress. Train yourself to be a giver simply because you want the brethren, those around you to actually go forward. All together. You have to train yourself to do that. It's key. You have to do it. Are we together? Yes. And that means also, even in, and that's one of the reasons why we actually even, uh, we actually even meet regularly because you, you identify needs both in the house of God and with your brethren that you may have to meet. Yes. Amen. I was meditating on something, um, I think a, mo- a month or two ago. And Jesus said something very interesting. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, they are mine, they are pre- in their midst, right? That's what Jesus taught. And um, while I was meditating on it, the Lord began to teach me on it. And I, I, I just, I, I, I dwelt on it a little bit. And something that the Lord ministered to me about there is that, you see, do you believe that the Lord is in your heart? Do you believe it? Do you actually believe it? It's the conviction that just is in your heart. So now, the question is, before the two or three gathered, where was he? Was he in your heart or he wasn't? He was, right? So now, when you gather, what makes his presence come in the midst? Does he multiply? He doesn't, right? What he was trying to teach you there is that where two or three are gathered, he's, he manifests himself. That means you can have Jesus in your heart but see no manifestation. You didn't hear that. How come there's a, there's a sickness manifesting in your body, the same, just, the same body where Jesus is? It means there's a, there's there's a same level of manifestation that's not that's not existing in that moment. So now, when the believers gather like we are gathered here, it means the expectation is that there is a manifest presence where people get ministered to because the presence of Jesus is being made manifest. As I says, there am I in them. That means you are guaranteed of a manifestation where Jesus walks as in you will see his footprints. Where he touches, you will see his hand. And that's why we must gather regularly. And when we gather regularly, we are givers who meet together. It is part of our culture. And because it's part of our culture, it means experiencing his presence is part of our culture. How together? Yes. That's why you must train yourself to ensure that you're, you are not only in the house of God, but to ensure that you are, you are one of the people who is actually heavily giving. Tell your neighbor, Jesus manifests himself when I gather with others. 
Yes. And one of the reasons why sometimes that happens, the Bible shows something about iron, iron sharpens iron, right? So the Bible teaches us that means you actually get to sharpen one another in the house of God. You actually get to ensure that giftings are sharpened in the house of God. And that's why you must have, see, have friends who are working in the gifts of the Spirit. It's very important. How many of your friends operate the gifts of the Spirit? How many? Can you count? Say, that one, that one here is God. How many of your friends? Can you cause if you want to hear the mind of God, you know that, oh, you and your friends are just giving each other advice, which just, it makes no sense. Just follow your heart. What do you mean? What if your heart is wrong? What do you mean follow your heart? The same heart has been broken. I don't know. You should follow it. Why are you following it? No, it led you to someone and it ended. How can it lead you to another one next time? What's the, what's the chances of success this time around? Hmm? No, your heart led you to invest in a business and you were scammed. That same heart. That's the one you want to start following. Hmm. There's no scripture that says you follow your heart. Follow the voice of the Spirit. Follow the leading of God. Follow the word of God. Yes. So I was asking you a question, or amongst your friends, when you gather, how many of them, see, I learned how to prophesy from, because I saw my friends do it. That's how I learned. I just saw my friends doing it. I was like, I think I can try this. This gift is good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you understand? I like the idea of knowing things about other people. Until I realized that God doesn't gossip about other people, to hear about other people. I was like, ah, okay, can't it's okay. <laughs> I wanted to know certain things. Like, I don't know, this one, okay, what does, he, what does she do? This one, where is he going? <laughs> it was just for, <laughs> you understand, right? And then I learned how it actually works. Until God trained me. One time he told me, he said, don't, don't give a prophetic word for a year straight. Keep quiet. That's how I turned down till today. I've never gone back. <laughs> you know, the, the year expired, but I've just never gone back. I think everything, we just lost interest. Like, it is well. <laughs> Praise God. So the question is, see, among us, your friends, because it's part, part of our culture is that when we meet, God's presence is there. God's presence manifests there. When you meet, what are the chances of God's presence manifesting? Because oh, you and your friends just, just talk foolishness. Because they're just, you're just being yourself. You know, I'm just being me. Now, in being yourself, can God manifest in, in what you talk about? In your conversations, what's there? No, what's there? Can we pick the mind of God from what you're saying? Or if pastor came and called the woman of God in front of your friends, like, hey, pa, <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one, man of God. <laughs> How together? Yes. Even the person you're dating doesn't even know you're called by God. They have no idea about your calling. They just—they would be shocked <laughs> to discover certain things. 
it matters. It as you will not experience certain things. And look, the reason why it's important, I'll, I'll tell you something. One thing I've learned in the faith is that it's there are things that God can do while you are praying on your own in, in a secret place. But there are other things that you only experience in the corporate move of God. There are some things you can only pick when believers gather. The Holy Spirit would have manifested himself on the day of Pentecost individually in people's rooms, but he only came when they gathered. Until they gathered, there was no manifest presence. And that's why you must be found where other people, where the other brethren are gathering. It's important. There are things that you can't pick until, until believers are gathered. Are we together? Yes. And that's why sometimes I get, I get amused. Like, ah. <laughs> Jesus, and I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you something that may sound a bit controversial, but I'll say it. Or maybe I'll, I'll say it in a way that may not sound controversial. But if you are, you, you will get what I'm trying to say. Think about it. Someone comes to church who was sick and they get healed in, in church. Why shouldn't the church take any credit? Jesus said, heal the sick. Did he say, pray to me to heal the sick? Who did he say to heal the sick? No, who, who did he say? Answer me. You should read scriptures. Matthew 10. No, I'm not saying we take the glory. I said create two different things. Matthew 10 verse 1. Matthew 10 verse 1. Read it. One, two, three, go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, who, who was going to heal? Who was going to heal there? So, if the disciple said, I healed you, they'd be wrong. <laughs> okay, like I said, I've said, I've said no way that doesn't sound controversial. <laughs> but it already sounds in some people's minds, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that you're not using the power of God. I'm not saying it's not just who's giving that authority. But it's like saying, I decide to... <laughs> I use this bottle. And I say, Daniel, get this bottle and, and maybe, let's say, hit it against that glass there. Who's broken the glass, me or him? Have, who, but who gave him the bottle? That means if he's to be arrested, we'll go together. <laughs> Both the one who sent him and the one who did it. Right? Yes, that means we can't be separated. That's the point there. We can't be separated. So we're not saying that you decide to just sit and just say, no, Jesus is here and then there is now you are just no, you're no. He's in a class of his own, but he's elevated us. Uh, and that's what I mean, right? He's brought us to a place where now we can actually heal the sick on, by will. We can cast out devils by will. 
You can just wake up and cast out devils. You don't have to ask him for more authority. He gave you everything. That's why the key is gathering. Gathering. You sit and you gather. You sit and you meet because you know that right there, the presence of Jesus is here. And that's why I was saying, look, when we gather like this, don't, don't come without expectations because where the believers are gathered, it's a special meeting. Where the believers are gathered, it's a glorious meeting. The presence of Jesus is right there. The corporate move is that you can pick up gifts in the spirits just by being in a meeting. So prophesied by virtue of being in the company of prophets. So the Bible says he was in the company of prophets and he prophesied. There are gifts you will see from your brothers and sisters in the house of God and you're like, that one I wanted and you can get it. And that's why you must... Be, be with friends who move in the gift of the Spirit. Be with friends. Who move. For them, the workings of miracles are easy. Yes. One time I attended a meeting and I was with my, <laughs> my pastor. So there was someone who had a back problem. And um, <clears throat> when in that meeting, that should have been 2014. It was the first time I ever saw that miracle. Where after um, <laughs> we discovered that the back problems were because not those people who have one leg shorter than the other. So my man of God called the person at the front, made him sit. And in view of many of us, he prayed and one, the other leg grew out. They were equal. By the time that person was leaving, they were equal. So now, obviously, it was inspiring to see my man of God. What made it interesting is when I saw the people who were being pastored by the same man do the same thing. I said, I'm going to try this. <laughs> and we've tried it. I think you've done it before, right? Yes, my wife has done it before. I think I saw her once when I was sitting of the Lord Church. Almost everyone was mended by Apostle Faith. That, trust me, we've all done that miracle for several times. Like, it, it was a trademark. Like, we were all doing it. It was, at some point, we started doing it for fun. Like, growing someone's leg deliberate and bring it back. <laughs> Just for fun. Mm -hmm. Of course, now we don't... <laughs> you understand? Now we understand why we are being children. <laughs> it's like, see, when a child, you give me a new toy. They'll just misuse it. Eh? It's this excitement. Now you realize okay, this wasn't just for fun. God, God gave you a grace to do certain things. Yes. There's another meeting where that woman's, there's a, there's a woman's leg that was like 30 centimeters shorter. When I say we saw it grow out with our eyes, we were just there stuck like, oof. <laughs> 30, 30, that's the size of the ruler. You've seen that ruler, right? That size. You can see that difference. Sounds crazy. My point is this. There are things you can pick up simply by being with your brethren. 
And that's why it matters who your company. Don't just hang around everyone. When you just meet who you are talking to this week. November, you've already been in three talking stages. <laughs> and, and your friends know about it. How is James? It's James. That's all, that's, that's all news. Now there is... Now there is Peter. <laughs> you, 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 where will the move of God be? If every time we're just discussing who you are talking, no, we talk to that one. That one. So 2024 is even waiting for you. There's a list. It means it's a problem. You're not, you're not being surrounded by people who live and move by the Spirit. It should be normal for a friend to call and say, listen, I was praying for you and the Lord said this. It should be very normal. It should be very normal. All together. It should be very normal. It shouldn't be something odd. Where if you tell a friend that God told me about you, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> where are you? <laughs> God was speaking to you. together. Train yourself to being in environments like that, where you are surrounded by people who move and walk with the Holy Ghost. Train yourself. There are things you will see from your friends and, you, and those around you. See, I'm using these examples because there are some things you will see your pastor doing you will say it's because it's pastor. But then there are things you will see your fellow brethren do and you'll be amazed. The first time I remember pray, I praying for long hours is because I saw my friends do it. I'm like, this guy has no calling on his life. There's nothing. He's praying like this. Let, let, me, let me try it. <laughs> Understand? Let me try it. You tried it. Did we struggle? We struggled here and there. But then eventually you know that you catch it. Understand, right? You know that you catch it. You come to church and you realize, that sister can pray. Why don't, why don't you become friends and learn how she does it? Don't just uh, put them in that category. Ah, that one is a woman of God, not me. We are not. Um... Ensure that the people you are surrounded by, they're helping you grow. How together? Part of kingdom culture means godly relationships. Godly relationships. It's part of our culture in the kingdom to have godly relationships. Godly relationships. Godly relationships. It's very important. Godly relationships. That means also either the people that you decide to see or even friends, they must be godly. Have godly friends. Don't just have worldly friends. No, pastor, I'm trying, I'll change them. But it's been one year, you're not changing anyone. You're the one who's becoming more and more carnal by the day. You are being changed, you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means it's a problem. Yes, and also it means you can't date an unbeliever. Are we together? Are we together? It means you can't date an unbeliever. And sometimes people think when talking about unbelievers, talking about maybe people who belong to, maybe they're Muslim or they're Hindus, they're what? Talk about anyone who's not saved, even if they're found in the house of God. They're not born again. No. No pastor, but they got, they got born again. Ah, they got born again last week. Who have ever seen date, dating a newborn baby? 
Leave them alone. Let them grow. All together. Let them what? Yes. That means don't also target people. That's not salvation. <laughs> when she saved, I introduced her to pastor. And then was, when she grows, and then, <laughs> oh, deal with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, don't be found with unbelievers. Does that mean you will find you will not find unbelievers attractive? You will find them. See, your eyes have your, your eyes have no salvation. <laughs> so I say it again. Your eyes don't have salvation. My sister, your heart doesn't doesn't know salvation when it comes to sweet talk. Anyone, as long as they just fit the description of what you want, can sweet talk you together. Yes. You'll be amazed. Unbelievers, so they know what to say. They just know the right words. They just know exactly what to say. Before you know it, ah, they're not so bad, eh? And now you're convincing us. Ah, pastor. Pastor just drinks occasionally, you know. <laughs> He's a good person, but Occasionally, where <laughs> you <laughs> don't be found with in worldliness altogether, in worldliness, don't be found in worldliness. Amen. Let's be on our feet. I think we'll continue next week. The other culture that we have in the kingdom is a culture of prayer. There's a culture of fasting. There's a culture of serving. So, I, like I said, we could turn it into a series. There are so many things to actually do. One of the other cultures that we have, do you know that joy is a culture of heaven? Are you aware? That means the believers who know how to practice joy always have testimonies. The believers who know how to practice joy always have testimonies. And that's why you find even now, the people who seem to be so loud, dumb, people think they're not experiencing anything. No, they just know how to practice joy. Lift your hands.